Hi, this is Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 65 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. In today's episode of the podcast, I discuss the fantastic time I had at Clarinet Fest 2017 in Orlando, Florida. Some of the things I go over are the most amazing performances that I saw, some of the wonderful presentations by people like Ed Joffe and Matthias Muller, who have of course been on the podcast before. And I also briefly discuss the vendor area, but that's a very brief conversation because, in case you haven't seen already, I put together an over 20-minute video on YouTube about my experience there and what were the newest and neatest items that I could find. I want to mention one item in particular that is quite relevant right now is the match pitch barrel. Now, this was not only the neatest item I found this year. It's a barrel that's adjustable between 63 and 67 millimeters. It's going to be featured as the next uh, podcast episode, actually, but the creators of that barrel will be donating 20% of the proceeds of that product and another product they have called the Belt Held Sack Strap until the end of September. So 20% of the proceeds will be donated to the Hurricane Irma recovery efforts, which is a really, really generous offer and something that I do hope people will take advantage of. You can purchase those items directly from clarineat.com now, or you can head to Mo Bleichner's website directly, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I also go over a couple things, not too many, that I thought could be improved maybe for next year. And uh, the coolest thing is this year I decided to have some Clarinet listeners. I put out an invite on Facebook, so if you're not a you know f- fan or follower or whatever they call it on Facebook, make sure to search Clarinet on Facebook and you'll see these kind of announcements, um, especially in the Clarinet community, which is sort of like a discussion group. But anyways, I am inviting people, or I did invite people, to send me their thoughts on the festival. So we had six people who sent in their experiences and it was really wonderful to get another perspective on the festival. If you ever do have any thoughts you want to send me, even just to say hi, you can do what these people did and go to www.clarinet.com and click on the leave voicemail button. Now, before we get started, I of course want to thank our sponsor, Dario Woodwinds, for making the podcast possible on a weekly basis. Also, the Patreon backers, particularly this week, uh, Josh N., Karen D., and Karen P., for making the show possible. And also those who made direct donations, clicked on affiliate links, purchased items from the store, any way they helped out the podcast at all. This helps me get to these kind of events and make these sort of episodes possible. I'd especially like to thank Bakun Musical Services for providing me with a festival pass to this clarinet fest, which of course was just fantastic and really allowed me to take in the whole experience and bring it to you in both video form and podcast form. I'm really excited that I connected with a ton of great musicians and companies down there, and I'll be bringing you in the future episodes from Bradford Bain, Cornell Wolak, um, Match Pitch Barrels, Mo Bleichner Music Distribution, many, many others I hope to connect with from my experience there. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, Patreon backers will get access uh, at the gold level, which is $10 per month of support, to an extended version of today's episode where I will also be discussing some sort of budgeting tips for students especially on how to get to Clarinet Fest if you are on a budget. Oh, and one last thing. I almost forgot, but uh, for those people who did submit their thoughts uh, from the conference, I did promise to give away one Vientos Bamboo ligature, so make sure to listen all the way to the end of the episode to find out who the winner is. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this overview episode of the Clarinet Fest 2017 in Orlando, Florida, put on by the International Clarinet Association. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit D'Addario.com woodwinds. So my experience at Clarinet Fest this year was honestly a little bit the same as last year. It felt a little rushed and put together at the last minute, but I am really, really glad that I went. And it is one of those things that I definitely think if you're a clarinet player, you've got to try and find a way to get down to one of these at least once and really as often as possible. It's a fantastic networking opportunity. You get to see things that simply you don't see anywhere else. All the companies like Buffet, for example, they debut huge products there. Uh, the Lejeune Clarinet was premiered, for example, at Clarinet Fest in Orlando for the first time in the world. So everyone takes this event very seriously. The ICA does a really good job putting it on. And you need to make sure that if you do want to attend, I believe you have to be a member of the ICA um, to get access to some of the room rates and and things like that, that you sort of uh, sort of perks of being involved. So for more details about the International Clarinet Association, see clarinet.org. And I just want to say in advance here that this podcast is not in any way endorsed, uh, supported, sponsored, approved or approved or anything by the ICA. Um, so just to get that out of the way. The first thing I'd like to say about the trip is that, man, Florida is super hot and, you know, I feel really badly about what's happening there right now. Um, it, it feels kind of weird to have just been in a place a few weeks ago and now see on the news that the whole state has basically been decimated. So, um, yeah, I just feel really, really badly for the people of Florida and I, I hope that everything is going going to be okay down there. Um, but uh, the one thing I do wish that I did do on the trip is... Honestly, I wish I found a way to book a day or two outside of the conference because I basically got off the plane, grabbed an Uber, went to the hotel, which was a gorgeous hotel, uh, way better than last year because everything was all in the same building. Um, and there was little restaurants within walking distance, a nice little hotel lobby bar for, for people to all chat together. And uh, I don't know, it was just a really great venue fantastic, fantastic venue. Um, but I wish that I'd taken the time to actually go explore Orlando. In the days that I was there, outside of walking to a restaurant, I didn't go to Universal Studios, which was right across the street. I didn't go into Orlando at all. I literally went to the hotel, got back into the car, went to the airport, and left. So um, if I could suggest one thing, it might be to actually explore a little bit of the city that you're you're visiting while you're at a clarinet fest, um, which is something that might be important, especially if you're coming from a long way. But uh, I don't know. It's a kind of, I consider it sort of a business trip. It's not really, you know, a touristing event. So maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it would have been nice to check out some of the great things that Orlando has to offer. I have to say that the performances this year were really, really amazing. I uh, Some of the standout performances for me was the opening concert with Eddie Daniels, Michelle Zukovsky, um, Stanley Drucker, of course, and uh, Richard Stoltzman played a couple nights later with Julian Bliss also on stage. And there was a really fantastic performance of the second and third movement, I believe, of David Maslanka's new clarinet concerto, which I found to be a really wonderful piece. And it sort of was a very 
it, it was very sad because as soon as I arrived back from the conference a couple of days later, I found out that unfortunately he recently passed away. I, I believe it was um, early August. So that was very, very sad. I had the chance to meet him at Midwest. Um, and I guess that, that sort of first performance for me of that piece just had some extra gravity to it. But uh, yeah, wonderful man. Very sad to see him him pass away uh, so soon after the after his wife actually, who just died recently as well. So, anyways, uh, let's move on from the from that note. Um, but the the performances were really really engaging, really really interesting. The venue was not the greatest, uh, you know, being a conference center. It's it wasn't quite as nice as last year's venue uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. I think that was some sort of like symphony hall or something it was it was a much more acoustically pleasing environment um but that being said that the proximity to everything was was way way better and my favorite moment from any performance um this is not really a musical moment but eddie daniels oh, i think it was his grandson was there and he was dancing around while eddie played and and you could tell that a lot of the people in the room were a little bit like oh my god what's going on? Like, why is someone dancing while one of the greatest clarinet players in the world is, is playing in front of us? And but honestly, the thing is, though, I'm, you know, Eddie Daniels is a, a fantastic jazz player. And I, I guarantee you that he would like it if people would get up and move around and enjoy his music a little more. So the, the almost sort of sterile environment of a classical concert hall for that type of music is, is what's weird. I don't think that a a boy dancing around enjoying the tunes is, is weird at all. So, <laughs> but I really loved that. It was so much spirit. And I actually talked to him afterwards and, and, uh, he said that, uh, I asked him, you know, what's some of the favorite stuff that your grandpa plays. And he said that everything he plays was his favorite. He loves the clarinet and loves grandpa's music and all that. And, uh, he said he talked to him about coming on the podcast. So we'll, we'll have to see how that pans out. <laughs> so, you know, there was some great presentations this year as well. Um, I felt extra fortunate because, a lot of the stuff I attended was of huge value. Um, and I just, I don't know, maybe I just made good decisions or maybe everything was of really fantastic value. But uh, I have to say that my favorite things that I saw as far as presentations go was the Stanley Drucker sort of retrospective. Uh, he, they would play excerpts of his music and then he would talk about sort of some memories about those pieces or those times. And Man, it was like it was like another episode of the podcast, but in a live setting. And, uh, you know, of course, Stanley and I had the chance to talk extensively on the episode, but I feel he's the kind of man you could talk to for 20 years and still not get all the great stories. I mean, he played in the orchestra, the New York Phil for, my God, over 60 years. So, so many stories just with the greatest people that you can imagine. And uh, a lot of it came out in the uh, the live sort of interview setting with the, the examples of music, which was really, really fantastic to witness. Um, I, I really liked Matthias Muller's demonstration of the Sabre, which he did on the very last day and at his booth. That was really, really cool. He also did a performance, just a really amazing piece of technology. I can't wait to see where that goes. And I'd love to get my hands on one to try out, which I, uh, I hope to do in the, in the near future here. Uh, my favorite presentation, though, uh, as far as, uh, you know, just an educational perspective, had to be Ed Joffe talking about woodwind doubling and even playing. I can't remember if it was a woodwind quintet or a woodwind quartet, but they had uh, uh, they were playing some pieces and just talking about woodwind doubling and, and how it's a viable career in these day in this day and age, which people should really be considering. I, I, uh, I think he's right on so many points. I think his book is wonderful. 
everything he says, you know, is just gold. And uh, I should just do a shout out here as well. He actually has his own podcast. It's kind of like a video podcast, a video series of sorts called the Woodwind Legacy Series. If you haven't checked that out, I'll put a link in the show notes. And man, you're miss- you're really missing out. You- you've got to check that out. He's just wonderful interviews. And uh, of course, he appeared on, I believe, episodes 17, 18, and 19 of the podcast. He's another He's another person who, once he gets talking about a subject... He could talk about it almost forever. He knows so much. He's just a complete wealth of knowledge. And uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out those episodes and his Woodwind Legacy Legacy series, head back and do that. The vendor area, I have to say, I'm not going to talk too much about this. Like I said already, um, I did an over 20 minute long video where I actually walk around and check out all the different vendors that I could find the newest and neatest things at the festival. Um, last year, I'd have to say the newest and neatest thing was probably the Sabre, which, uh, you know, of course, I featured Matthias, Matthias Muller on two episodes of the podcast now. And we've also uh, chatted in person a few times and uh, I've, I've seen his presentations. Wonderful thing. Um, but this year, I'd have to say that of all the stuff I found, the new match pitch barrel by Mo Bleichner has to be the neatest thing. It's it's a $49 product that is adjustable between uh, 63 and 68 millimeters, I believe, maybe 67. Anyways, they're coming on the podcast next episode to talk about it. And, you know, as far as the hurricane we're, we're talking about now, or I'm talking about uh, supporting it a little bit through the website, they are actually donating 20% of the proceeds from that product until the end of September, I believe. Wait till next episode to hear full details, but I'll be airing the conversation I had with them uh, about 48, 48 hours after this episode comes out. So check back for that. Some other really interesting things I spotted were the uh, the Devon and Bergani clarinets, which are made out of 100-year-old railroad ties from Brazil. I thought that was a really, not only is it an innovative idea, but man, they played fantastically well. Great key work. I, I really liked everything about them. Really nice people. Wonderful company. Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. And, you know, actually the uh, the sheer number of clarinet brands available is becoming crazy. I mean... There was probably at least 15 different brands I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, man, let's see. Bakun. I'll try and go alphabetically even. <laughs> Devon and Bergani. Uh, Selmer comes to mind. Yamaha. Uh, of course, Buffet. Um, RZ Woodwinds. Uh, Rossi. I mean, my God, there's just so many options for buying a new clarinet these days. It's, it's really incredible. Um, and you can try them all. Right there, which again, if if you're looking for a new instrument, it just simply makes sense to go down there and try them because it would cost you hundreds of dollars to get all of these different instruments shipped around the world and and uh, produced. I mean, someone like Rossi, for example, I th- I think he said there's a several year waiting list and and uh, y- you kind of just you have to order it and then and then it's yours. So if you go to Clarinet Fest, yeah, it's a few hundred bucks, but I mean to get down there and back and stay and all these things, but. The benefit is just so huge. You could try 15 clarinets in 15 minutes if you wanted to. So really, really cool. And it's uh, wonderful to compare different products that were there too, like mouthpieces, ligatures. I mean, there's everything under the sun. We had, you know, Brad Bain was there, Clark Phobes. Brad Bain's booth in particular was right down the center aisle. And uh, I almost didn't get a chance to talk to him because it was so incredibly busy. And I also have two mouthpieces of him that I'm doing a review of now. Really incredible. I uh, Wow, great product. Um, he's going to be coming on the pro, uh, the podcast in a couple of weeks as well. So, so have a look out for that. 
Now, although it was a wonderful time, there's a couple things that would I'd sort of like to see improved uh, for next time. And one of them is I just feel like that there wasn't enough time between the different um, events. Like, for example, you'd you'd go and it'd be like three o'clock till four thirty for one th- event, and then right at four thirty the next one would start. And I'm not quoting exact times. That's just you know I'm just trying to make the point that almost no time or no time between the sessions, it made it really tough for for not only the people in case the first session ran kind of late and then, you know, they'd want to run late a little bit too and then the whole day's running late kind of thing or someone would have to wrap up early, but it's kind of hard to change over a room from one session to another uh, with zero minutes in between, not to mention if you want to run and grab a snack or like say hello to someone or I mean even go to the washroom, there's just not time. You've got to leave earlier come in late to something so it would have been really great to see like a 15 minute buffer between the sessions whether they be performance classes or or um some kind of seminar or or whatever and along that same sort of vein i think that it would be really really nice to have kind of a dedicated vendor hour because one of the things about clarinet fest is that you never really get to see everything because there's always something happening you've got to decide and sometimes those decisions are hard i mean this year, I, 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 I didn't go to a couple performances that I wanted to see because there were sessions going on at the same time. And, you know, I, I can't say I really regret anything, but man, it would have been nice to see both, but it's just not possible, right? Um, but the vendor area is, is something that it's worth seeing in itself. So you do want to make sure you get there. But if you don't want to miss any of the, the uh, performances and seminars, you're really crunched for time in the vendor area and you might have to forego something like lunch or or dinner or something like that, which is, it's tough. I mean, the days are long. They start around eight in the morning with sessions. They go until, well, they go pretty much all day. And someone like me, for example, I was running around trying to get some video in and talking to as many people as I could, meeting Clarinet fans. I mean, all sorts of stuff. By the end of the day, we're talking a 20 hour day. I mean, I'd get up at 630, <laughs> do the, you know, the eight o'clock session or, or whatever. And then, you know, you'd be out till midnight or later socializing with people and start it all over again in six or eight hours. So really, really busy four days. And I think that those little breaks would, would be valuable, not only from, you know, what I was just talking about, but as far as networking and, and everything else goes, it'd just be really nice to have a moment to, to do those things. So at this point in the episode, I would like to bring on some of the guests who submitted their thoughts via SpeakPipe on the website. Basically, all they did is they went to clarinet.com and they clicked on the leave voicemail button and left their thoughts on Clarinet Fest. Hello, this is Eric Salazar, clarinetist and composer from Indianapolis, Indiana. I attended my second ever Clarinet Fest in Orlando, and I loved reconnecting with my old friends like Sean Perrin, and I also thoroughly enjoyed meeting new people. Especially, I enjoyed when younger college-age students came up to me asking for my advice after I gave my lecture on networking with BuzzFeed. I also loved going to the Pariah 3D booth and trying out all of the 3D printed equipment. I ended up coming home with a barrel and a lime green ligature, which totally suits my personality. I look forward to hopefully attending Clarinet Fest next year in Ostend, Belgium. Hey, my name is Dylan Scroggins, and I am from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I'm currently getting my master's in music from the University of North Carolina School for the Arts. This was my first time going to Clarinet Fest, and I look forward to next year in Belgium. 
My favorite moment from Clarinet Fest would have to be uh, volunteering because I was able to meet so many people, including some of my idols. Because I was a volunteer, I was assigned to be the runner for the Orlando Philharmonic concert and was able to meet and talk with Richard Stoltzman and Eddie Daniels while also being able to observe multiple uh, pre-performance rituals, which was a oppor learning opportunity for me. I look forward to seeing everyone at Clarinet Fest 2018 in Belgium. Hi, my name is Ryan Pereira from Pereira 3D, and I'm from the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. This is my second clarinet fest as an exhibitor, and while I was busy at the booth, it was amazing to talk to so many clarinetists, especially both younger and older players, and see the reactions to what I've been working on. Also at the fest, I enjoy playing the selection of Ubel clarinets at Mo Bleichner Distribution's booth. They're certainly worth trying out for in the market for a new instrument. It's been rewarding to come to clarinet fest for two years now, and I'm really looking forward to many more. Hello, my name is Kristen Denny Chambers. I'm a clarinetist, teacher, and composer living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think I've been to about eight or nine Clarinet Fest events. Um, I was somewhat limited on how many events I could attend since a lot of my time was spent in the vendors area this time around. Um, but my favorite moment was getting to see and hear Richard Stoltzman perform live for the first time. He is such a legend and had a big influence on me in my earliest uh, clarinet years. <laughs> Um, Cornell Wallach's articulation seminar was a huge hit. His research was incredibly thorough, and he presented some articulation styles that I'm sure were completely new to most of us in the room. Um, so that was a big, a big hit for me. Last but not least, the biggest highlight, I think, for me was, um, I hope I don't butcher his name, Keenan Ozma and his pianist Danuk. I don't want to try his last name either, um, but they performed some amazing original Syrian influenced music. Um, not only were they both incredibly creative and accomplished performers, they both had an energy about them that was very warm and inviting. Um, he told a few stories from his life and talked about how free thought should be just as sacred as religion. And I thought that was very profound. Hi, this is Katina Franklin-Sweetie. I'm a clarinetist from Woodbridge, Virginia. This is the second clarinet fest I've been to. I've been to many other conferences and conventions in all sorts of genres, and this is one of the best events I've ever attended. Very well run and organized. So congratulations and thank you to everybody at ICA for putting on such a great show. My favorite part of the convention really was seeing friends that I hadn't seen in many years, meeting new friends, and meeting in person many of my colleagues that I only knew from social media. As for the concerts, I really enjoyed hearing Eddie Daniels, Keenan Asma, and the music for clarinet and electronics. I really, really loved walking through the vendor area and seeing all the different products, but I have to say my favorite was the Pariah 3D Clarinet Innovations. I loved that 3D printer. It was really cool seeing him make barrels and ligatures. Thank you again, everybody at ICA. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your thoughts about Clarinet Fest. I, I got to meet most of you there, and uh, I really think it was a great time, as everyone said. I promised on Facebook that I'd be doing a random draw from everyone who sent in a message, and I do want to say that there were... Uh, one or two other people who sent in a message but didn't want to be featured on the show. So I've, of course, honored that. Um, but they're still entering the, in the draw. So in total, we had six 
messages sent in. I just asked Google here to pick a number between one and six, and that would be Dylan, who is the winner of this ligature. So, Dylan, I'll contact you, or maybe you'll hear on this episode and get in touch with me before I do that, but I will be sending you a Vientos Bamboo ligature in the color of your choice. Thank you so much for sending in your thoughts. I really liked this. I want to do some more things like this. So keep an eye out on Facebook for some sort of uh, combination episodes featuring Clarinet listeners and some of their thoughts and experiences in general. So at this point in the podcast episode, uh, if you are a Patreon backer, I'm going to go over some of the ways that you can travel to Clarinet, Clarinet Fest on a budget. But for everyone else, this marks the end. So thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet podcast. If you do want to get access to the extended version, you can check out www.clarinet.com slash Patreon. Show notes for this and all other episodes of the podcast are available at www.clarinet.com. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds.